Welcome to CIO Leadership Live Canada. I'm Lee Rennick, editor of CIO.com, and I'm very excited to welcome George Alcura, CISO of Ruby. So George, thank you so much for being here today. Could you please introduce yourself? Thanks, Lee. Um, as you mentioned, my name is George Alcura. I'm the uh, Chief Information Security Officer here at Ruby Life. Um, Ruby Life is a uh, online dating uh, company where we, uh, well, we're effectively a software company, but we have several online dating platforms under uh, under our belt. Uh, most famously, of course, uh, being Ashley Madison. Got it. Yeah, I did have a chance to look at that. So you're dealing with a lot of things: data, privacy, everything under the under under the roof of this. Uh, organization that supports people in their daily lives, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, well, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, the series really has been created to support CIOs and senior tech leaders in their business and leadership journey. So let's get in there and kick it right off. First question, can you tell me a little bit about your own, a little bit about your own journey, your own career journey, and how you got into technology? Yeah, uh, thanks, Lee, of course. Um, I have a pretty non-traditional non path of entry to, to my tech career. Uh, I actually don't have a formal STEM education, for one thing. Um, I, I studied political science and psychology at the Royal Military College uh, and served in the Army Regular Forces until about 2016. Uh, I did have a technical job as a communications research operator, um, and, and I really did enjoy that. I, but I found, you know, after a while, I, I wanted more for myself. Uh, especially around, you know, that the, the point in my life where I was like, hey, I think it's time for a new challenge, a new chapter. Mm -hmm. um, I started a couple of businesses and, you know, they did somewhat well, but, you know, ultimately failed to get anything to stick. And uh, there's something to be said about failing fast and failing often and learning from that. Uh, looking back at those times, I was learning a lot of great lessons that would serve me later in life. Uh, but those lessons were definitely earned the hard way. Yeah. So going back to 2016, you know, later on that year, one of my best friends who, uh, I actually used to serve with in the Army, told me about this cool job opportunity to work with him at a cybersecurity operations center. Uh, I didn't know programming at a high level, but I understood right. analytics and I understood the profession of security pretty well. So he helped me crash course through basic packet and malware analysis over a few nights at the pub together. Uh, true story. Wow. <laughs> I was I was I was fortunate enough to uh, have a great initial sock manager. His name was Tim Hersey, who uh, who believed in hiring folks on their critical thinking skills instead of the number of certifications that they had. Mm -hmm. So I got a shot as a junior analyst, you know, just working shift work at a 24 seven uh, global operation. While I enjoyed my time in SOC world, uh, I also knew I was still capable of more. So I spent a bunch of my overnight shifts reviewing all of the SLAs for uh, the company's entire, you know, 80 plus client set to try to understand the business of cyber and what the right. organization was actually doing. In doing so, I had found that they had sold uh, some managed threat intelligence services uh, that I assessed we weren't actually delivering on. Um, so a light bulb moment kind of clicked in, and I realized I had an opportunity to build those services up and advance my career further. Uh, at the time, one of my VPs at, at that organization was a gentleman by the name of John Proctor, who's now actually the CEO of Martello Technologies. John and I had gone back over 10 years serving in the Army together. And he was a bit of a trade mentor for me back when, uh, back then. And, and, you know, we always had a good relationship. I told him about what I observed and he gave me an opportunity to build that capability out. What is interesting is that I, I had no formal education or training on how to do threat intelligence. And I was learning security operations in the cyber world on the fly at the time. So my version of a CTI service was built around, you know, different from, from anything else you'd find on the market, because I was leaning on over a decade of military intelligence training and work and converting right. that knowledge into customer value in a CTI context. 
The success of that service got me promoted out of the SOC and into a senior consultant role where I actually had my first commercial team. A lot of good times and bad times in those days, but most importantly was that I was learning and getting better every day. I was always involved in, within the greater InfoSec community via boards and organizations as well. At the time, I had built relationships in the venture capital scene in Ottawa. You know, shout out to yes. Suzanne Grant and uh, Marvin Bedward. And those relationships led me to an invitation to join the uh, Defense Industry Advisory Group. The DIAG was a volunteer invite-only board that comprised of senior executive representation from four key federal government departments, you know, D&D, GAC, public safety and industry, as well as leading firms within the defense industrial sector. I had received a, a seat due to my involvement within the Ottawa startup and SAS North communities. So yes. it was my first time really having a seat at this kind of a table. Mm. While at DIAG, I sparked a friendship with a female CEO by the name of Francois Gagnon. Fran was a powerful fighter in support of gender equality within the industry, and I admired her story as one of the only female CEOs of a national defense industrial brand. Wow. Fran eventually offered wow. me an opportunity to build a, an entire SOC and managed services practice for her at her firm. So with that, I became a, a director and entered into the executive ranks within three years of formally entering uh, my career in cyber. You know, while wow. I enjoyed my time, yeah, I know. Wow. While I enjoyed my time at Agda working with Fran. Uh, and her husband, John, who's also an outstanding mentor and, and teacher for business analytics and, and, you know, learning how to assess for return on investment with his own right. Um, and countless other folks that work there. I eventually wanted to try something completely different as well, like out of the defense world. Yeah. So that year I left Agda and, and had, you know, I'd just been promoted to CISO a couple months before that. I was double hatting roles, yeah. you know, and, and wanting to try something different. I was like, where do I begin to look? So through LinkedIn, of all things, you know, of that, that great service that democratized our entire industry, yeah. I saw a posting for the CISO job at Ruby. I had a good friend at Agda who had gone over there earlier in the year. I asked them if they thought of the place. Their review of the experience couldn't have been more glowing. So I gave it a shot and put my name in. The rest has nice. been a very fun, informative, and rewarding nice. wide sense. I love this story, but I think, you know, somebody, hopefully somebody here is watching from the film industry because this could be a whole movie this is fantastic and i think we're going to touch on it later because you know we're touch we're also touching later on building teams and talent retention and talent and obviously you give a great story about the fact that you've come into this industry learning but bringing such such amazing skills from your previous work that you've done to help build the industry and build build new probably new techniques and new skills so i really appreciate that a lot thank you very much for your sharing that with me um, you know, we wanted to touch a little bit on leadership. So I'll dive into the next question and just around strong leadership, especially during the pandemic, you know, and, and now in our hopefully post pandemic world. Um, in the last few years, a number of companies have had to pivot very dramatically their day to day operations and their technology needs. Um, and you are the CISO and this is CIO.com. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your co collaboration between the CISO and the CIO. And if you have any examples to share about how you've collaborated together, how you've had to pivot quickly, and what leadership skills do you bring around working together on a technology team for the success of your, your company? Yeah, I think you really um, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, first of all, it's a partnership and it's super important. Uh, I have to tell you in both my current, you know, my current role, my current employer and my previous employer, I've been blessed with the privilege of working with two outstanding CIOs. You know, at Agda, our, our infrastructure was handled by a gentleman named Tim Farncombe. Um, you know, if, if you actually haven't read Tim, he's, he's, he's pretty salty and he's pretty sarcastic, but he's got a really, uh, he's got a heart of gold if you really get to know the guy. 
He's an IT veteran. Um, uh, you know, he's been doing this thing for over 20 years in small and medium-sized organizations throughout Ontario. Mm-hmm. You know, he was very resourceful and really organized in his approach to infrastructure management. In partnership with him and, and honestly under his leadership on this, you know, together we were able to get the organization ISO 27001 certified in a process wow. that took us just about two years to achieve. Wow. You know, so a lot of important IT leadership lessons were learned through that process and working with Tim. Yes. And my current employer, I am absolutely blessed to work with our current CIO, uh, a fellow by the name of uh, Surgeon uh, Milutinovic. Sorry, he's, uh, he's got a Serbian name, so I got to get my tongue around that. Um, he's also very highly experienced, having come from successfully leading, leading enterprises at organizations of over a billion in value. Wow. He has been a powerful and empowering mentor. You know, he, he believes in hiring the right people in the right roles and letting them drive what needs to happen in their respective areas. Right. He has personally driven the transition of our entire company into an agile, safe uh, methodology of software development, meaning he understands and, and expects empathetic but results-driven leadership out of all of his respective uh, department heads. You know, so when I look at Surgeon, I, I consider him a mentor and a wise man in this business. And I'm really getting to enjoy, you know, I'm getting to enjoy the opportunity to soak up as much knowledge and trade experience from him as I can every day. Mm-hmm. And if I look at the quality of some of the people he's brought in, um, brought into Ruby Sense joining, these are folks I also work with every day. Guys like Steve Barabash, who runs our business architecture group. Uh, Frank Toth, who's actually my, my lead security architect, a former CSO in his own right. You can really see the sense of loyalty and respect that he commands with people uh, across both years and organizations. And I think that's what you're looking for in a, in a real example of a good CIO. Cool. So you really, his leadership skills, you're learning from, you're building together, you're co-collaborating. There's not a separation or a divide between your work together. You're really building it together as a team. And it sounds like bringing in really strong individuals to support that team through really positive leadership. And that's what I'm taking away from it. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Okay. But now we're going to the next question, which is one of my favorites, Um, because in my previous role and in my role now, you know, there's a lot of tech companies we work with. And I know you do a podcast around this, which I've been listening to. So I want to talk about accelerated partnerships to optimize work output and leverage technology partners, really to ensure the best outcome for your stakeholders or your users. So do you think, are we in this place now? So I'm going to rephrase this question now. Are we here yet? Or is the future technology more about more collaboration between the technology partner slash vendor um, to have success? And do you believe there's such a thing as co-collaboration between a company and a vendor partner? Yeah, you know, <laughs> honestly, that, that's that's kind of the point is that there is, and it's, as advanced as technology is getting and as high speed as this game is moving, it really goes back to the old school principles of goodness, right? We have to really humanize one another. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't really get you know too deep into like our, our own tech staff specifically here no, of course. at Ruby, but what I can tell you is I'll give you an example of a great collaborative partner or a vendor partner that I have um, in terms of my relationship with Record Future. Uh, I found that they have you know a best in class CTI platform but they also have a truly talented account and, and technical support folks, like account right. management folks. Right. You know, I've worked with them and their platform across every single one of my employers throughout my entire InfoSec career. Right. A lot of vendor relationships are very transactional. You know, yep. they're trying to make their quarterly quota and you're just trying to fix a problem. So it, it's it's very, there's nothing really, there's no loyalty there to anything. 
you know, so I find that, you know, it's not very genuine in terms of the care they give you. And it's not genuine in the way that you look at them and treat them. Everyone's replaceable across the board. Yeah. I don't think that's the best way of doing business. And it's not the best way of fostering real improvement opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't, this isn't the case I find with RF, Uh, you know, as my discussions with them are never driven around, you know, whatever new widget or service they're pushing, but rather them continually assessing where they can provide additional value to the state of my operation specifically. Right. By having sales growth and development conversations that are focused on improving our current level of maturity with an eye to matching offerings as they make sense with our departmental roadmap, RF has shown themselves to be a committed collaboration partner who have a stake in seeing us succeed and not simply in making their quarterly quotas. And I think that's how it takes. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, you know, I know in my previous role when we were talking to a number of CIOs about the, you know, I was I was trying to really work that idea of the word vendor to becoming more like partner. Like, how can they help accelerate? How do they work in a partnership? And I know they talk about it, but it's like exactly what you said. It's like understanding your business outcomes, looking when things happen in the sector that you need to pivot to or react to and really helping you understand that. And I, I personally don't think we're quite there yet. But I, I'm seeing a bit of shift when I talk to some of those vendor partners about about what, how they're trying to collaborate. So I, I really appreciate your insights on that. So the last question I had was around building talent and teams. So you are a very active person. I follow you on LinkedIn. You're at a lot of events. You sit on boards. You do a ton of work in this sector. Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of the ways and how you leverage your own networking and participation in events and other things to build your team and talent and some strategy around that? All right. So, so the first thing I'll say is that um, I think it's really important for CISOs and CIOs to, to do this work themselves, you know, not to rely on recruiters, not to rely on HR. Right. Interesting. When we, look at, when we look at today's super hot, you know, resource market, Competing for talent on traditional lines has been a bit of an archaic and sometimes um, outright toxic game. Uh, Personnel are leaving organizations within months of joining due to offers uh, of substantially greater compensation or benefits. No one wants to put time in learning from the bottom up and organizations seem to be looking for talent unicorns at discount prices across the board. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that this situation is not strategically feasible at a whole of industry level. My approach has been to lean on my network to scout, develop, and capture talent by creating my own, quote, social pipeline. When someone is in school or new grad or mid-career, the key thing I focus on is building genuine relationships with them. That investment in time and effort and care are the differentiating factors that make them want to work with me even if I can't pay them the same as like a a FANG or a FANG company or a Silicon Valley company. In a market where employers and employees are all playing the numbers game against one another to to untenable levels, Mm -hmm. the focus on real human relationships and looking at employment as a vehicle to a better quality of life as a whole for your people, that's what makes it worth the time to actually pursue and fill that new headcount with that individual. Once you build a pool of known hopefully trusted talent that are already waiting for their opportunity to work directly with you. It's just a matter of making sure that the opportunity is right for them and working together to achieve that. Now, I do have to give a nod to some of those boards, though. A big part of the appeal for getting involved with organizations like CyberX and like emerging leaders uh, in Canadian security was specifically to this very point. Uh, From CyberX's case, Matty Reza and his team are doing incredible work 
building networks and providing unheard of accessibility for security talent and security leaders, not only within the Toronto area, but across the country. Rachel Babbins and the Elks crew are working specifically to bring the best of the best from Canadian academia and connect them with opportunities throughout industry as well. These networks have brought about not only endless recruitment pipeline opportunities that I've taken advantage of already, they're genuinely good people and through their outstanding events have brought about some wonderful new friendships into my life too. I think that is great to talk about that. And and it's really important for me to learn that and understand that a little bit more because I never thought of that as the opportunity, but, you know, I do see you really active at events. And of course, you're meeting some really cool people working in tech and, you know, having that opportunity to network. I think that is a fantastic way to do it. And I think we didn't have a chance to talk on the next generation leadership, but obviously, like you said, being able to talk to students, recruit students, but then at these events, looking at people who may be looking to advance their career in a really safe place, you know, gives you the opportunity to talk about your space and where you work. So I think that's phenomenal. Thank you very much, George, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you providing your insights as a a CISO to all the CIOs out here listening into this uh, webinar today. And I hope we can pick this up uh, another segment, perhaps in the new year and talk about what's been happening or what the predictions might be for 2023. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Thank you.